0: Never, ever underestimate the PLUS crew. I mean, my goodness, on your day off, we still have 15, 16 people, you know, just waiting for me to even come on the air today. Thank you so very much for being here. You guys are just awesome. I love hanging out with you. I really do. Thank you for hanging out with me, whether it be on YouTube, on Twitch, uh, I you, you can find a link on Twitter. Oh, this is expanding boys and girls. Happy Memorial Day weekend to your and yours. Hopefully you are enjoying a nice three-day weekend, a little respite, if you will, from all the hard work that you're doing. How about this? Linda, the Duchess, my mom sent me a little, she made this. She had that ordered and she said it. I think we just got our first idea for a little merch down the road. Thank you very much, Mom. I know most of the show goes over your head, so the fact that you're watching uh, means you obviously like me very much. Thank you very, very much. To those of you who are watching who are not related to me, thank you very, very much. And we got a lot to get into today. Um, We will have discussion of the season finale of Succession. I will put up a an alert for you okay when that happens we're gonna let you know with this little graphic right there right there succession spoilers so if you haven't seen it this will be your warning to fast forward until we get through it or pause until it goes away and uh and the show won't be ruined for you uh we have first though the business of the day feels like the denver nuggets reached the nba finals about a month ago right I mean, it's been a forever since they've been waiting for their opponent. They will finally get their answer tonight. They will know who they are playing tonight. We got ourselves a Game 7. Should we have a Game 7? We'll get into that in just a second. But I'm telling you, uh, this is a very interesting series when it looked like it was going to be you know, a sweep, like Broomhilda was going to be visiting the Celtics uh, this offseason. The Miami Heat are sort of letting this one slip away. It looks like Boston is 100% not just showing up for a game or two here, but they're really playing good basketball. And this should be a hell of a game tonight at what a TD Garden Center TD Water whatever it is. Hold on, a little sip. So, look, this is uh this is this is our uh game 7. I mean, it doesn't get better than that in sports, right? It's it's fantastic. Game 6. Ended in spectacular fashion, if not outright questionable fashion. Um, Additional time got tacked on to the play before Derek White hit that lay-in with .01 seconds left on the clock. There was about two and a half seconds left when the foul occurred. When Boston's inbounding there on that last play of Game 6 in Miami, there's three seconds. I don't know where those other seconds materialize those tenths of a seconds materialize from but it's a little weird. I, I gotta be honest with you, it's a little weird. still, you know guard the inbounder, box out the rebounder. Like there are things Miami could have done to have won that game and I'm sure in their own mind they did enough to win that game. but at the same time, they weren't particularly good in that game. How about this? in game six, the heat shot under 31% on two pointers. Uh, It's the seventh time in the last decade a team has shot under 31% on two-pointers in a playoff game. The Jimmy uh, Jimmy Butler Heat have now done it twice in this series. And the average margin of victory before Game 6 was about 27 points when another team plays that well. Miami should have won that game by a point, right? They probably should have won that game. But they didn't. So here we go with a Game 7 tonight. I'm in. I'm 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 100% in. I don't care how we got here. I'm rooting for Miami. If I'm getting points, I might have to lay a little with Miami. Why not? Just just to have a reason to think that they can do it. I, I Boston is fine. I don't I'm like I'm not anti-Boston, but what Jimmy Butler has done. But then in the last 3 or 4 games he hasn't done it. So if the Miami Heat and Jimmy buckets the right way show up in Boston tonight, they can take this game just like they took games one and two up there. They can do it. But we do have a Scott Foster sighting. And again, when we talk about things going on with NBA referee shenanigans, um, look, I, you can't say that they're that the league is devoid of officiating shenanigans. You you just can't. You can't. I'm not saying that the fix is in. But Scott Foster, the extender, has been assigned to be the lead official of this game tonight along with Tony Brothers and John Goble. Um, Obviously, there's nothing to extend to. There is no Game 8 in this series. So, just looking at some raw data, over the last two seasons, the Miami Heat are 2-13 in in games officiated by Scott Foster and and 3-12 against the spread. Boston... Is 11 and 3 against the spread when Scott Foster is leading the crew officiating their game since 2020. What does all that mean? I hope it means nothing. I would love for a game of consequence to happen in the NBA without a single discussion of a referee or an influence that might have been made or a bad call that decided the game. Just once. Like, give me a pure game seven, please. I'd like that an awful lot. Um, the NBA, though, having said all that, has opened an investigation into referee Eric Lewis's Twitter account. And, you know, on the surface, it appears that there's not a lot here. And the Twitter sleuths thought that they had found the burner account of an NBA official, his brother, Eric Lewis's brother, is taking responsibility for this account whether it's true or not I don't know but Twitter was arguing about Eric Lewis's officiating and there was this guy who just kept up randomly defending Eric Lewis and that seemed to be the only reason the Twitter account even existed so Twitter sleuths got on him to the point where the NBA is like doing an investigation now and you know our tweets red flags Maybe at the same time, it's also it's just Twitter like nothing, nothing over there is real. So does does it it influence the outcome of a game? I don't know. But it's another bad look for NBA referee bias. And whether it's his brother or not, you can choose to believe that yourself. It's again, just get me to a game seven a night. Just, just get out of your own way, NBA, for a minute. Just get me to game seven tonight. Let the players decide it. How about that? How can we do that tonight? Can we let the players decide it? Not the guy on the time clock. First of all, Miami, how are you gonna let that time slip back on the clock? It's your court. Come on. Um anyway. Uh, speaking of red flags, though, red flags are how the Indianapolis five hundred ended. You know what I'm talking about? You don't normally say this Indianapolis five hundred reminds me of an NBA game because, because the last 15 seconds like an NBA game, can take 10 minutes to get through the last 15 seconds of a game. The last 15 laps were marred by red flags. at had three red flags and like, the last 20 laps. Joseph Newgarden, uh, Newgarden, Soundgarden, uh, wins a sprint to the finish. He passed last year's winner on that final restart lap. Now, I mean, I guess that's a lot better than ending a race under caution. But, I mean, the Indianapolis 500 is, has finished under caution many times. Uh, But they didn't want to do that this time around, so what do you know? We got one of the more spectacular sprint finishes in the history of the race, and I'm not a big racing guy, but I watched the final 20 laps of the Indianapolis 500 like I think a lot of people do, and I got to tell you, it it was compelling. One of the most compelling things we have ever seen was part of that race as well. One of the most spectacular crashes ever caught on camera from the angle where they're literally affixed right on the driver's front-facing helmet while he is upside down with sparks just shooting off the the rim of his cockpit i mean just an unbelievable crash from the point that he just got out of there and walked away not hurt unbelievable there was a tire that went over the catch fence (laughs) excuse me i get emotional uh, a tire goes over the catch fence i swear to god if that had hit the stands it would have killed someone it would have, might have killed multiple people it clears the stands and ends up hitting a parked car somewhere behind turn 3 unbelievable like the fact that nobody died nobody died is incredible uh, the, the, the tire could have killed someone. That crash could have killed, what was his name, Kyle Kirkwood. Oh, my God. That was a, just a hell of a finish. It was a Sunday for hell of a finishes all around. We'll get to succession here in a little bit. I'll put up the spoiler. But first, if you're here for normal plus activities, and thank you so many of you for being here, uh, the Pirates... Are in San Francisco this Memorial Day. We got a funny start time. It's a two o five start time this afternoon at the ballpark. Forty three year old Rich Hill going up against Anthony DiScalafani. The Giants are back home after taking two out of three in Minneapolis and then taking three out of four in Minnesota. No, other way around. Excuse me. It was no. It was two out of three against the Twins and then three out of four against the Brewers. That's Milwaukee. I can do that math at the very least. Um, look. The Giants, they win today. They're two games over, 500. They keep on going a game over, falling back, game over, falling back, that sort of thing. But look, not only are the Giants playing decently, but they're only four and a half, game backs, four and a half games back based on the fact that neither the Dodgers nor the Padres have done anything spectacular this year. So what was working against the Giants is they weren't going to be very good, right? Well, they're better than a lot of people thought. Also, the Dodgers and Padres were going to be so much better than everyone else that there was no way a team as normal as the Giants could keep them. Well, guess what? The Dodgers and the Padres ain't great shakes. They could be. They got talent. There's no doubt they have the means to get right. But in the meantime, baseball sometimes creeps up on you, whether you're a big spender or not. Ask the New York Mets. Um Just watching the Giants is a lot easier to do in this last month than it was the first month of the year. Like, Lamont Wade Jr. is having a sneaky good season. Mitch Hanniger is starting to actually find his stroke a little bit. J.D. Davis is just a good all-around player and is the best at-bat probably on the team. you got Casey Schmidt continuing his hot start as a rook. I mean, he could end up in the Rookie of the Year conversation. When it's all said and done, he keeps playing like this. So Giants got some good things going for him. Some really good things going for them. So, you know, if you're a baseball fan, you got a reason to enjoy. Giants got nine of their next 12 games at home, uh, starting with the six-game homestand against the Pirates and Orioles. Then they take off for a quick, I think, what, road trip to Colorado, and then they come right back home, and the Chicago Cubs are coming to town. So I think I'm going to get to one of those games, as a matter of fact. Uh, Meanwhile, the soon-to-not-be Oakland A's, although there is a big meeting in Nevada today about viability of uh, taxpayer dollars and all that stuff, but they'll probably pass it because politicians get what they want. But I'm telling you, any politician who wants the Oakland A's has no idea what they actually want because you're getting John Fisher and you don't want that. You really don't want that. You don't. You just don't. You will be granted a major league expansion team if you're just patient. I know preaching patience to politicians is a tough thing to do, but they should absolutely preach some patience. The only good story about the Oakland A's I really want to share with you today is that a former closer, now with the White Sox, Liam Hendricks, has come back from what they said was like stage four really bad cancer and is going to start playing again. That's That's incredible. That's really incredible, and the reason why we can't even pay attention to the A's any longer, like seriously. They've got. Do you realize right now the A's have a longer losing streak than they have wins on the season? That's true. You can look that up. It's an eleven-game losing streak. They have ten wins on the year. They're ten and forty-five. That is a one eighty-two winning percentage. They have a minus. 199 run differential, the second worst in baseball, is minus 76. They're at 199. Look, the A's, if we really wanted to just put the truth out on the table here, what is happening to the A's is the single most disgraceful act in the history of professional sports, I believe, in the United States. The A's are the worst professional sports team of our lifetime And it's not the fans' fault. It's not even the players' fault. This is all by design. This is an owner who can go fuck himself, who decided that he is going to ruin everything on his way out the door. This is worse than the 73-loss 76ers. What was that, the 72-73 season or whatever it was? That was before my lifetime. Okay, so the worst professional season in my lifetime? Pretty indisputably, the 0-16 Detroit Lions, right? What the A's are doing is worse than the 0-16 Detroit Lions. At one point in the 0-16 Detroit Lions season, they were trying to win. The A's haven't tried to win one game all year. They just, they aren't trying to win. They aren't fielding a professional team capable of competing inning after inning with other professional baseball teams. The, The Lions sucked, but it wasn't for a lack of trying it's just disgusting absolutely disgusting so the a's will be losing to the atlanta braves starting promptly at 507 this afternoon it's just gross really really gross but i'm not going to let it bother me and now if you're an a's fan i think you just you got to let go i mean you got to let go you just got you got to say goodbye I'm done, I'm an adult, I realize an abusive relationship when I see it, that's exactly what this is, it's ridiculous. Um, you want some, want to feel old news? Are you ready? This is going to make everyone, this is even going to make our younger viewers and listeners on the podcast feel even older. Even if you're young, this is going to make you feel old. Are you ready? Derek Jeter made his major league debut 28 years ago today, May 29th, 1995. Derek Jeter's major league debut 28 years ago today. Oh, my God, I'm old. Oh, my God. Uh, by the way, he went 0 for 5, would go on to have an above-average career. But that's, that's unbelievable. That officially made me feel like an old man today. Really made me feel like an old man today. Um, before we get into the succession season finale, I saw an interesting story. You know, it's a three-day weekend. I think this is a – it makes people, if you're not on vacation – a three-day weekend makes you start thinking of vacations. What am I going to do on my next vacation? And this isn't about the A's at all. A lot of people like to go on vacation to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a fun town. Las Vegas has got an awful lot to do. Sensory overload should be the city's official model. Sensory overload. We have that for you in Las Vegas. Um, I, If you go to Las Vegas, you should have the expectation Do have your sensories overloaded, but you should have no expectation to make any money. None. None. Um, I saw today a story that as Las Vegas gaming and tourism boom, casinos are now making it costlier to play and even harder to win than ever before. The Wall Street Journal had a story, and I want to read some of it to you. Blackjack players like, blackjack is the one place where you can find an advantage as a gambler over the course of a few hands of blackjack, where the odds are actually not just all in the house's favor, but a little bit in your favor, too, depending on the cards you're dealt, obviously. Blackjack players lost nearly $1 billion to casinos on the strip last year. It's the second-highest loss on record after 2007. One of the reasons why is they're not paying out like they used to. And they are making it more expensive to play. I don't know the last time you went to Vegas, but if you can find a table for under $10, 15 $20 after the sun goes down, good, like s- cop a seat and stay there and hold it down for your friends. I'm not saying, you know, everything is high rollers, but it's starting $25, 50 chips to sit down and play a hand to blackjack. Um, blackjack for those of you who do not know, the Wall Street Journal even helps you out here, is a fast-paced card game, historically paid out at a ratio of 3 to 2 when a player hits 21 on the first two cards. Well, many blackjack tables on the Strip are now paying out 6 to 5, which means the same $10 which used to get you $15 now only gets you $12. So they are gaming the system to push away the riffraff, and I'm you know that's probably they want a higher class of clientele they want people with deeper pockets coming to las vegas even though penny slots i believe is still the number one uh profit margin in all of las vegas but some las vegas casinos cut back on the number of blackjack tables and dealers they raise minimum bets during busy times and lifted their advantage over players in some games doubling down on a pre-pandemic practice of making subtle changes that favor the house according to industry executives researchers and gamblers themselves Prices for everything across the board, well, everywhere, this isn't just Las Vegas, but hotel rooms to concerts to restaurants have surged in recent years. Tourists are flocking to Vegas like never before. I call it pandemic pent-up frustration. They just want to get out and have some fun again. And do it. Have yourself a great meal. Go have a great time in Las Vegas, but don't have any expectation of making money. And if you do, tell yourself, that's a freaking miracle, and I shouldn't expect that to ever happen again. Las Vegas strip casinos took in nearly 8.3 billion in gambling revenue last year, a record that exceeded pre-pandemic revenue by more than 25 percent, according to state regulators. So people with less money are going to Vegas to spend and lose more money than ever before. Remember to watch your chicken, like our friend Marshawn said. One more Vegas-based story for you, okay? One more, one more. Did you see that Jimmy Garoppolo has failed his physical with the Los Angeles Raiders? That happened, and they have reworked his contract and are now saying that he is you know, out indefinitely. He had surgery on his broken foot after the Raiders signed him. And they have now got new language to at least protect themselves. But, you know, there's, it's one thing to protect yourself against a bad contract. It's another to not have an NFL quarterback on your roster. And that's what the Raiders are looking at if there's no Jimmy G. And I don't want any jokes about, well, Jimmy G is not really an NFL quarterback. Yes, he was. And he was playing some of the best football of his career at the end there with the 49ers. But Derek Carr is gone. And Jared Stidham is gone. And right now, if you take Jimmy Garoppolo out of the room, the Raiders quarterback room right now is Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, and Chase Garbers. Whoo! Good luck in the AFC West with that, huh? In a little game of hindsight and foresight, let me just take Jimmy Garoppolo here for a moment and apply the hindsight of his injury, not to the Raiders, but to the 49ers. If he was hurt this bad, what were they doing, thinking that he was going to miraculously step back onto the field in the postseason, maybe, if his foot was like this? What the hell? Why didn't they put Jimmy on the IL and pick up another quarterback? I mean, that's a legitimate question, looking back at how the 49ers season ended last year. When they were running out of quarterbacks in the NFC title game. So little hindsight applied to this story doesn't reflect well on a massive decision that the 49ers didn't make last year. Beyond that, there's your hindsight, here's your foresight. How much longer until Devontae Adams just straight up asked for a trade? Devontae Adams wanted to go to Vegas to play with Derek Carr. That ain't happening. And then to, you know, what, be part of the new cool thing in Las Vegas. And when it comes to the Raiders winning games, it doesn't look like that's going to be happening anytime soon. How much longer until Devontae Adams asks for a trade, at which point that becomes now a full-on reset button for the franchise once again. And here we go again. The cycle of never improving has followed the Raiders to Las Vegas and apparently lives there now too. Man, maybe this is why Tom Brady was signed as uh as a spent like what fifty million to come in at one percent of ownership or whatever. Maybe Tom maybe Tom Brady is going to be owner player, like what like captain player like Paul Newman and Slapshot. I, I, probably not, but Tom Brady. You might be needed for more than just uh, hanging out in the owner's suite in Las Vegas. We're going to get into Club Plus. we got a lot of people talking, chit-chatting. I always appreciate that. It's always good to see you all in today. It really is. It means a lot that you're here on your day off. East Bay Ricardo says, Damon, can we purchase the cup? We're going to make this available to you soon, in short time. Believe me, we will. Basically, Jillian and I had a little bit of a strategy session, and uh, we've determined that the next couple of months are really our preseason. And by the time we reach the end of August, beginning of September, by the time it is football season, the only thing I can promise you, you early plucers, is that this son of a bitch is going to be firing on every conceivable cylinder, and we're going to go from – A really nice story with a good start to it to an absolute threat to anyone who thinks that they're going to do a better job covering sports than right here on YouTube. We're going to own the market without even, you don't need a station when you've got a channel. So we're really looking forward to um, how many great things are coming down the pipe soon really, we got, we got plans, real, real plans. Now, consider this your warning. Boom. Succession spoilers. Succession spoilers. I'm giving you a minute to back away, to press pause, to then let this catch you. How, how about this? When you start seeing Club Plus, this, the spoilers will be over. But Nobody start spoiling things in the comment section, in the chat section. Although, look, you know, we the thing that I like the most about YouTube is that you can watch this whenever you want. And that's how people watch all the shows that they like. But when you got a season finale, you kind of got to watch it, a series finale in real time, because it's going to be all over the headlines and social media. So Jillian and I, we, we, we put all social media down last night until we started watching Succession. Then I picked it up because and and there was a spoiler right away like first thing that appeared on Twitter I'll say this the series finale left me wanting a little more I'm not going to say I didn't like it but it didn't end with the dramatic oomph that I thought it would it basically ended with a lot of well, it doesn't look like it's gonna be good for the Roy kids, and you know, Tom Wazgams ended up winning after all. And I dude, there's a theory about Tom Womsgans and Bill Womsgans that we'll get to that I saw this morning on Twitter. Something else. But look, this was an excellent show. A truly excellent show. It was highbrow, it was well crafted, it was shot in luxurious, luscious location after location, after country, after penthouse, apartment. Like, it was, the budget was very high on Succession, obviously. They took you inside that billionaire family lifestyle about as well as any show has ever done it. But the star of the show has always not been the budget, or the the access to the beautiful things, but the writing. And this is, you know, the the writer's strike literally should just point at Succession and say, you'd have none of that without us. The writing on Succession was spectacular, and the actors who brought that script to life were incredible. It's one of those as perfectly cast a series as you will ever watch. You know, I'm sure there's other actors who could have done it, But once you see, it's like Indiana Jones. Who the hell could have ever been Indiana Jones other than Harrison Ford, right? Now, you heard that Magnum P.I. almost got that. Tom Selleck was almost Indiana Jones. He probably could have done it, probably could have done a really good job. Oh, but it would have changed everything. One character out of place would have changed everything in this show. It's perfectly cast. It is extraordinarily acted, and I... I enjoyed it. I don't know what the hell I am going to do with my Sunday nights now. I'm going to have to wait for some football to roll in. But I'm, I'm going to miss Succession an awful lot. It is, and I don't say this lightly, because this carries weight to it. Succession is one of the greatest shows in the history of HBO. Full stop. It really was. It really was. I guess... It's hard to end something that you have such high expectations for, for everyone to like it. And I know a lot of people thought that the ending was perfect. But I, I to me, like I wanted more than just... I, I, I guess I wanted a little what happens after the players stop moving on the chessboard and everyone knows their place. And we got very little of that. There was no sort of recap. There is innuendo. Like, I mean, they're definitely at the end of that. Um, so w- I guess we got to break this down from from a character standpoint, right? To me, the character that is the most frustrating character on the entire show and the character that Jillian and I argue about the most is Siobhan. Shiv. I She is the smartest person in the room and the dumbest player on the board all at the same time. She overshares when she shouldn't, she doesn't disclose nearly enough when she should, and you cannot have a pact with your brothers to go in and vote in a board meeting and then in on the one inch line decide I'm not going to run that play. You can't. You can't be dumping, you know, Victor uh, uh, kingmaker milkshakes all over your brother and laughing about it and then say, "Oh no, no, I ne- never mind, I don't trust you after all." Like I just thought that, that was such a cop out and it was Shiv drove me nuts in this fucking show. She really did. She did. Smartest player in the room, dumbest player in the game. It drove me nuts. Drove me nuts. Kendall. So they very much hint at his suicide at the end of the show, right? I mean, he was crestfallen that it's not going to be him taking over for his father. The family is out. Uh, we, we've got uh, Lucas Matson. Uh, becoming the kingmaker, if you will, for Tom. Tom could have cut Greg's throat, cousin Greg's throat at the end, but decides not to. I guess that's the one feel-good moment of the finale. Um, So Kendall, it, it's very much suggested at the end. Not that he he died of suicide in that moment, but he's thinking about it, and his life of happiness is essentially... Well, it never even happened, but now it's definitely not going to happen. So what's the point of sticking around? He has no business as a businessman. He's already totally alienated his family. His He can never talk to his sister again based on what he just did. His brother, Roman, who was my favorite character throughout the entire show, Roman just basically ends succession right where he began. He's just a self-loathing dick. So... You know the final scene of him sitting in a bar, just having like a drink with no care in the world, even though he got scarred up and, um, you know tried to tried to, tried to fight New York City on the night of the election, which was I thought that was a weird kind of ending too. There's no way that guy with money got brave in that situation to go do what he did, but you know the whole he wanted to be beaten, feel the pain, feel a little something. I, all right, it's a little psychoanalysis for me, but um, I thought that it was. The perfect ending for Rome. Roman really didn't care after all. He called bullshit on everything, and, and that's very Roman. Good ending for him. And then Shiv is literally as stuck in the same spot as she was, except there's no chance to rise to power anymore. She's so overplayed and underplayed her hand all at the same time. And then, you know, when Tom walks over to her and says, uh, I got a car waiting in 20 minutes. You want to come with me? And she's like, no. And then the car pulls up and she's already sitting in it. Like, everyone who rooted for Shiv to be this, you know, empowered woman who's going to do that all the things that you want empowered women to do, it turns out she's just, you know, a spineless, totally outplayed, outmaneuvered, voting against her own interests, kind of idiot after all. So uh, she is going to now have a uh you know very little future of being a titan of any industry she will have a totally loveless marriage with tom who has the job she wanted and that kid is going to hate her and she's going to resent her kid and it's they're all going to be miserable at the very end roll credits succession Did you see the theory about Tom Wom's game? So, by the way, you can go back on Twitter a few days ago. I said, here's how I think Succession is going to end. I think Gr- Cousin Greg is going to be named the U.S. CEO president uh, of, of uh, ATN. And it'll be like him and Tom Wamsgans piling into a limo with blow and hookers. They, they drive away and they're the winners of Succession. I knew all three Roy kids were going to get get fucked in the end. They screwed themselves over too, but you knew it wasn't going to end well for them. So when writers come up with ideas, it's always inspired from something. You know, sometimes the muse happens as you're writing. So I don't know when the name was chosen, but four days ago on TikTok, four days ago on TikTok. I saw a woman who runs a baby names account, like she talks about the origin of names for babies or something. I don't know. I, I, this is the only thing I've ever seen her do. But I was told four days ago on a baby names TikTok account, they correctly predicted this woman did the end of succession based on the weird history of Tom Wamsgans last name. And it is a weird last name. You know, you, you got to see it in writing before you know it. is it Wamsgans? Gams? Gams? Is there a B in that? Is it a Gams? No, it, so Tom Wamsgans, and there is a B in that. Uh, but, anyways, so Tom Wamsgans was, you know, the, the hanger honor guy through the whole series, just kissing everyone's ass, making sure that he was well positioned no matter what. <coughs> Hold on. A little more coffee. And, uh, this woman who I guess studies names found out that there was a major leaguer named Bill Wamsgans. This is the old timey days. Um, Bill Wamsgans claim to fame was that he turned the only assisted triple play in World Series history. In other words, he took out three people at once. Tom's Wamsgans took out all three Roy siblings at once, although his triple play was not unassisted. It was obviously very much assisted by Lucas Maston, who was, what, Aaron Skarsgård? So it wasn't an unassisted triple play, but I'm wondering if that's where the inspiration of that last name came from. You never know when there's a baseball fan who's got an idea. I mean, I, whenever I sit down to write the my script, there's going to be all sorts of little... Easter eggs of ideas and giveaways and things. And, you know, who who knows? By the way, I'm not working on a script. Not yet, anyways. But um, it was an excellent show. I thought the finale was a a B, B B-plus, maybe. I wanted it to be an A. I did. But um, it had to end somehow. That's the way they chose to end it. It's when you talk about endings that left you wanting more. I mean, I can't even get mad at Succession based on how terribly Game of Thrones ended. But it really is. It's it's a great show. And if you are still listening, you obviously know that because you stuck around for the spoilers. Which I'm done talking about Succession. So I'm going to take that down. There you go. Welcome back. And what I really want to do is say thank you so much for tuning in here. On a Memorial Day Monday means an awful lot that on your day off, when you have the ability to go do anything, you're not stuck at your desk. That so many people decided to come on in and hang out with us today less than normally are watching live. But that's what I expected. But here's the deal. You don't need to watch it live, baby. This all goes up on YouTube and you can find it there for those listening on the podcast. Deep thanks to all of you. Enjoy the remainder of your three-day weekend. I'm going to be right back here tomorrow at 11 a.m. with much more coming up this week. We'll know what the NBA Finals is, so we'll be digging into that. Enjoy Game 7 in Boston tonight, and hopefully we just get ourselves a good game. I don't want any kind of like 20-point blowout in any direction. Give me a fourth quarter because we're running out of basketball games, and when we're all out of basketball games, I'm going to cry like one tear. I hate when basketball season ends. I love basketball. So give me as much good basketball as you can stick in between now and the end of the year. We're about to get into Club Plus, which means, oh, it's going to get a little darker. And over here, it's going to get just a tiny bit darker. I mean, if you are just listening to this show on the podcast, you have no idea what we start doing when we go into Club Plus here. And, you know, can you even really plus if you're not in Club Plus? A little something to consider. Thank you very much, though. If you are just listening on the podcast, it doesn't matter how you got here. I'm just thrilled that you are here. But that's it for today. So I'm going to say thank you so much for tuning in. And remember that sports don't build character. They reveal it, and like that, whew, he's gone.